This is Bess Vonderheit, and welcome to The Shake, the podcast for all things Shaker. The second issue of The Shaker Rights 89th volume is out now. Inside, the stories respond to and investigate complaints raised at the November 8th community meeting. We spoke to Shakerite editors and reporters about their experiences researching and writing their stories. Some walk out, but others sit in. A student-led walkout about stricter gun laws leads to a student-led sit-in to protest racial inequity. On Monday, the JV baseball team defeated Illyria. This is Madeline Price, and welcome to The Shake. This is Katie Cronin, and welcome to The Shake. This is Bess Vonderheit, and welcome to The Shake. Our first guests are investigative reporters Hillary Shackleton and Ashley Saw who investigated whether student-teacher relationships changed after teacher Jody Podol was placed on administrative leave last fall while the administration investigated student complaints. The basic idea is that ever since English teacher Jody Podol was put on administrative leave all the way back in November, um, there's been this perceived notion of like a disconnect between students and teachers um, that the teachers think that they're seeing. So the teachers are being really cautious about what they're saying to, t- to students. They don't really want to give them as free of criticism because they're worried, well, hey, we could be the next potal. So while teachers are having this trouble with um, their relationships with students that normally wouldn't be a thing, students actually haven't noticed this. Students think that, you know, we have the same relationships. My teachers are still the same. They're still either fun, maybe they're a little bit harsh, but they're they haven't noticed the same notion of stress that the teachers have also noticed. Um, most of the students that we interviewed um, felt like they had comfortable relationships with their teachers despite everything that had happened with all the instances of administrative leave. One of our students said that they felt like most of their relationships were high performance and their teachers were able to make the classroom entertaining and help them focus. I would say one of the most important people we interviewed was Dr. Morris because not only as a teacher but also as a head of the SHTA I think he gets to hear a lot about what other teachers are feeling in the building and I think he also has his own sense of how relationships have changed and he was actually able to give some really good insight on how he thinks um, relationships might go back to normal, so to speak. He said that, you know, in the next few years, uh, the high school's trying to implement um, restorative practices. And so he thinks that once we have things like community circles started up again, that we can really talk out these problems and it might be a way to better help our student-teacher relationships get back to normal. So he was really key in understanding not only the change in student-teacher relationships, but how the relationships will turn back to normal. I definitely um, have become much more aware about how my teachers um, may have started to feel more on edge as a result of all the instances of administrative leave. At first, I personally didn't feel um, any change in my relationships, but I think that was just because I didn't see the other side of it. I would say that I think I understand a few teachers might feel a little bit more uneasy in the classroom now. I mean, like Ashley said, I didn't originally see any difference in my relationships, but now that I'm more like looking for signs of teachers being uneasy, looking for signs of teachers like withdrawing or holding back comments, it's like, oh wow, the teachers really do have this change, but students just don't seem to notice it. The fear is actually real for them. Shaker prides itself on racial equity 
So investigations editor May Nagoski investigated the extent to which black and white students are treated equally. May, is there a difference between how the district treats African Americans and white students? A lot of students feel just that they are not equal to white students. Looking at an AP class, you see maybe one to five black students. And looking at an IP class, you see even fewer than that. And that alone can make black students and people of color feel extremely left out and at a different standard than white students. And so I found that a lot people, students were putting um, a lot of things as the reason as to why the classrooms were like that, such as tracking, um, starting even in elementary schools. I think that a lot of people made a lot of assertions about how they feel that they've been treated from staff and teachers. And I think a lot of it isn't blatant. I think a lot of it people feel is just the opinion of others and it's not things that are so direct. It's more like people have lower expectations for me. What was it like to report this story? It was really interesting. I think that I learned a lot and especially in the part of my story where I talk about microaggressions, there's a lot of really specific examples that nobody who's white would ever experience. So I think throughout the experience of reporting and talking to people that I'd never talked to before, um, I learned just to another level how people of color are get treated differently. Going into it, I expected students to talk about how they had nowhere to go after school, just like they talked about in the meeting, but I found out a lot of different inequities in the classroom and in the hallways that um, students of color have to go through. Walking into interviews, I didn't expect anyone to say that a student said something blatantly racist to them. I never expected that because that's not really what I've experienced in Shaker, but I did hear about some stories um, where a teacher might have been as blatant to say is, I'm not helping you with this, um, which is really different for me. You know, I've never heard that a teacher say anything like that to me. And I think that comes from a place of uh, privilege and race. So I didn't know a lot of the things going on in Shaker actually happened, but I also wasn't outwardly disgusted with how the schools run. What do you think Shaker can do to improve? I think that Shaker needs to never stop forming programs and clubs that bridge the gap. I think um, the Bridges program is a great program that has already made such a difference even even in my last year in taking AP, AP U.S. history I noticed such a difference in my cl AP class um, but I think that a lot of students feel like the problem isn't being addressed and they're not um, s like the administration is just being silent about that so I think that first before creating any clubs or programs the administration need to come out and say we know this is a problem we hear you all we're here we have these resources and um we're going to create these new programs because we want equity for all i also think that 
this can be a way deeper level than just the high school when you pick your counsel when you pick the classes with your counselor when you walk in as a freshman I think it trails back to elementary school where that I think is when the inequity roots from and where it fosters because it's not just um I mean it's definitely part of it when you go in to make your schedule it's like how you challenge yourself and how you get pushed I think that's part of it but I don't think that's how the inequity is started. Toward the end of their sophomore year Shaker students choosing advanced courses face the decision between AP or IB courses. Opinion editor Ainsley Snyder discusses the differences between the AP and IB programs at the high school. Ainsley, what did you find in your research? So my story is about the IB program and basically how it affects more than just the IB kids in the school. It affects the AP uh, honors and core students and the teachers, of course. So I learned that actually the two are pretty similar, which was kind of a little bit of a shock. Uh, they are weighted the same as a 5.0, and they're both pretty rigorous courses that are not shaker central, because core and honors are more like they don't have a company kind of giving them tests or whatever, while IB and AP both have that same thing, the college board and then the IB program. So uh, they obviously are very, very stressful, and um, you can usually take them when you're a junior and senior. So. Uh, they're pretty similar, although they do have some a little bit of their differences. Well, so uh, first off, they, uh, the school started to shrink the number of teachers, uh, which mostly affected the core and honor students, but uh, with that came the merging of IB and AP before that plan really started. So they merged the two, the two programs together into one class, which is kind of, which has kind of hurt some of the AP kids with their test scores, which has been shown with the AP literature test as well, uh, when they first implemented that. Um, so with that, that, they needed less teachers to do that now that they've put those two together, which means they've started cutting core and honors teachers because they can't really cut too many IB teachers since they're necessary for keeping up the program. I think that from the way that uh, IB kids are kind of held up, I believe that the school should kind of address that because it seems more like they're not really saying anything when all of the AP uh, core and honor students are like getting a little frustrated about this because classes for them are scheduled first, stuff like that. Um, so it kind of feels, uh, if the district would come forward and just say something about it uh, and try and address the fact that it's a little unfair that 5% of the student body is being treated better than the other 95%. So if the school would at least come forward and address and at least own up to the situation that they have made, uh, it, I think it would be helpful with like starting to, starting to fix it. This next year of sophomores becoming juniors, there are the most number of kids enrolled in the diploma program now than there has been before. But a lot of those students sometimes drop out, is what I've been hearing. A lot of students go in, take the first IB class, and they're like, oh my god, what did I get myself into, and drop down to AP, which is why the AP IB programs are meshed together in some classes. So it gives the IB students chances to see the IB program, and then if they don't like it, they can do AP without changing their whole schedule. The district began implementing restorative practices, which used dialogue to fix relationships in 2015. Education columnist Lauren Shepard believes restorative practices have the potential to help discipline and relationships in the high school if they are implemented correctly. Lauren, 
Can you tell us the possible benefits of restorative practices? I began researching about restorative practices right when I got assigned this story. And basically what restorative practices are is a way to like create a better community rather than punishing kids necessarily for like stuff that they should be punished for. It just, it's kind of, my story is arguing for restorative practices, but it also emphasizes the need for restorative practices to be implemented correctly and with enough resources. It helps build a better community, especially because our school's kind of divided, it seems like, to me especially. Um, it helps to build a better community, and also, when, if implemented correctly, it will help students and teachers form better relationships. It'll, it'll just improve their school day, and it'll help students who normally, when they would get suspended or something, would be discouraged to be more encouraged to do better. My class, the sophomore class, saw restorative practices when they first came to the middle school. We were the first class they were implemented to. And, I mean, at the middle school, they're not there correctly. So you don't really see the benefits. You just see a lot of the drawbacks, which I think discourages a lot of people from wanting to implement them at the high school or even continue with them at the middle school. So we haven't started to see the benefits yet because the resources haven't been put in. Community circles, which helps like create a better community. Um, there's one-on-one -on -one reintegration back into the schools after you've like committed something that should have been punished. Grab a copy of The Shakerite from your English teacher, the main library, city hall, or local businesses, including the Pearl, Shaker Square Cinemas, and Thornton Park. On behalf of Madeline Price, Katie Cronin, Alana Miller, and all the Shakerite editors, this is Bass Vonderheit, The Shakerite.